today. Are y'all alive here? All right. If that if that song didn't get you foot tapping or swaying or clapping your hands or singing or something, I'm not sure about you. We're going to check your pulse. First Samuel chapter seven this morning. Um, this is Memorial Day weekend, of course. Uh, tomorrow, our national holiday observance of Memorial Day, when our citizenry remembers and pays respects to those who lost their life in the course of military service for our country. And of course, uh, probably any um, cemetery you go to around here, you're going to find many um, veterans' graves and those who, who fell in the line of duty. And uh, in the South, anyway, I know also we call it sometimes Decoration Day, where it's become a tradition. Uh, not only are the uh, fallen soldiers' graves decorated, but also um, people will just go out and randomly decorate graves or family members who have gone on before, things like that. And it appears this tradition goes back at least to the Civil War, uh, quite a bloody battle where over 600,000 soldiers, 600,000 sons of Americans gave their lives and died in that battle. And on and around Memorial Day, we gather up and and uh, how many of y'all have been to a, a local cemetery, family cemetery, and done decoration over the weekend or, or about to go? Sure. Something we do uh, commonly, we replace flowers, we read epitaphs, we remember. We see the engravings on those stones to speak to us year after year, generation after generation. Reminders of the past, but listen, not just of the past, like the Bible said, those dead still speak. To those who have ears to hear, going to that place should speak to us about the brevity of life and about the things that are important and the things that are not. Today we're going to journey back to another side of battle in the Old Testament. And we're going to see a memorial stone that was put up there on that hallowed ground to mark the place where the Lord did something amazing Today we're going to think about a stone of remem remembrance from 1 Samuel 7. We're going to read verses 1 through 13, which constitute our text for reflection today. 1 Samuel chapter 7 begins, And the men of Kiriath-Jairim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill, and they consecrated his son Eleazar to watch over the ark of the Lord. From, that day, from the day that the ark remained in Kiriath-Jairim, the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel mourned after the Lord. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then remove the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your hearts to the Lord, and serve him alone, and he will save you from the hand of the Philistines. So the sons of Israel removed the Baals and Ashtaroth, and served the Lord alone. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the sons of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the sons of Israel were gathered at Mizpah, the governors of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the sons of Israel heard about it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the sons of Israel said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, 
that he will save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a nursing, a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, and the Philistines advanced to battle Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day against the Philistines and confused them so that they were struck down before Israel. And the men of Israel came out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and killed them as far as below beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone, and he placed it between Mizpah and Shin and named it Ebenezer, saying, So far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come any more within the border of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Back in the time of the judges, God has raised up this prophet, this one who would speak for him, this man named Samuel. Unfortunately, the people, their hearts were far from the Lord. The spiritual fervor of the nation had declined precipitously. It was a bad situation, and they were defeated. And here was this man, Samuel, who called them back to the Lord. And as they're coming back to the Lord and they've repented of their sins and it says that, you know, they rend their hearts before God and they come to him, they're making sacrifices and offerings and it says Samuel even judged them. I think he points out, you know, if we're going to repent of sin, we need to know and be aware where we have gone wayward and they repent of their sin and they return to the Lord and a great victory is wrought by the Lord and Samuel puts that stone, that marker stone, it would be a stone of remembrance throughout the generations there on that hallowed battleground. And he calls it Ebenezer. And the place becomes called Ebenezer, which means a stone of help. The stone of help. And so that stone would remind them, not that the stone was the help, but that the Lord was their help in the day of battle. And it was a reminder. And we folks need reminders. Physical Tangible, audible, we need reminders to remember how we are to walk with the Lord. Let's think for a minute about this stone, this Ebenezer stone as a reminder and a remembrance. A stone of remembrance, first of all, of the losses of past defeats and deaths. If you turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 4, we won't do that, but I will tell you in 1 Samuel chapter 4, there's a battle that precedes this one. A battle there at Ebenezer where the Philistines and the Israelites clashed and 3,000 soldiers for Israel died that day. And they said, what's happened? The Lord has not gone with us. Where's he at? Where's the Lord out? Oh, we know what we'll do. We'll go get the Ark of the Covenant and we'll take that and that will ensure the victory. And so they get the Ark of the Covenant and they think that because that is a place where God's presence had dwelled, that he would somehow rout the Philistines, even though they were not with the Lord and the Lord was not with them. They thought that they could formulaically do some things and make the Lord work on their behalf. And you know what happens? They get their tails whipped. 30,000 Israeli soldiers died that day. Even though they had the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of the Covenant gets taken by the Philistines, which is... I mean, it's blasphemy. It's just, it's just defeating. And the Philistines subdue Israel that day. And so this stone, Ebenezer, would actually, first of all, remind them 
before the victory of a defeat and of the great losses that occur when God's people proceed without the direction and the help and the presence of God. The Philistines had thrashed them. Absolutely thrashed them. Past defeats and deaths. You know what? We think we're sharp and smart and and we've got everything we need for life and godliness in our own flesh. The fact is, we need the Lord in every aspect of life. And when Israel tried to do things on their own, they got in trouble. And so that stone of Ebenezer, before it reminds them of victories, it would remind them of past defeats and failures. But you know what? Defeats and failures and losses in life, for those who, again, have ears to hear, who are wise, can be instructed. We can be instructed. We learn by our mistakes. We should learn by the mistakes of others and past generations and so that stone would remind them of the losses of the past and the mistakes that they had made. But then also that stone would be a stone of remembrance of certainly a great victory that came from the Lord when the people turned back to God. I'm going to tell you something. Let me just dive right into it right here. We need to return wholeheartedly to the Lord. God's people. Before we think about uh, uh, politics and, and Supreme Courts and all of that, the Lord's people need to hear this. That victory is not in our money or in our cleverness or in anything of our flesh. Victory belongs to the Lord. Period. Period. Victory belongs to the Lord. And there was this great victory that came from the Lord when God's people turned their hearts back to him. I mean, they're in the middle of this great spiritual revival. They're having a church service, and the Philistines come up, and the Lord takes over. He says, I got this. And he routes the Philistines. And so that stone, that Ebenezer stone, would be a stone where they would celebrate the victories of the Lord. Celebrating God's faithfulness. Celebrating God's saving arm. And from that point, I tell you, those soldiers who had been in both battles, they would know what it takes to win. We need to be on the Lord's side. So often, I think that we're guilty of asking the Lord to be on our side. Lord, here's what I want to do. Would you bless my mess? Without ever asking, Lord, what do you want of me? What are you doing in this day? I want to be on your side, that stone should be a remembrance stone that victory belongs to the Lord. Hey, we have victory over death in Jesus. It's a reminder to us today that unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor build in vain. We need the Lord. Not a prescription, not a tradition, not a denomination. Not a formula, not a set of steps for success. We need the Lord if we would experience victory. Hey, can I tell you today that salvation, which is the ultimate victory, th these things that we see in the Old Testament, these soldiers' lives are saved, but they eventually die. And it is sad when a soldier dies in battle. It is certainly a great cost. And we should be sobered when we think about. And before we think about going to war, we should remember the cost in lives. 
when nation comes up against nation. It is sobering. But the fact is, every one of us are going to die eventually of something. And death is the greatest enemy. And Jesus has overcome death. Salvation, the ultimate victory that we need, is in no other name but Jesus Christ, our Lord. God has made a way. He has made a way. It's not up to us to forge our own path. It's up to us to hear the call of the Lord, come to me in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. These people had turned to the Lord to experience a temporal victory in battle. And what I would say to you today, the greatest application of this story, folks, is make sure that your heart is turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. And be saved. Victory in Jesus, our Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Come to Jesus Christ and you will have the greatest victory. But we need reminders of that, just like they did. And so here was this stone. And I think this stone is a great reminder of the past defeats and the present victories. And as we think about that stone of remembrance, that Ebenezer stone, hey, listen to this. One of the things as we compare past defeats and current victories is, is, let me say to you, you may have made an utter wreck of some part of your life. If you're still here, and most of y'all are still here, most of you are here with me. Say, say, I'm awake. Okay. You're still here. And God gives us opportunities to change and to repent and to put away the old. God is willing to bring beauty from ashes when we come to him and give him the mess we've made, the mistakes of the past, the sinful things, and ask him for a new start. God is a God of new starts. So that stone is a reminder of the mercies and the kindness and the continual pleading of the Lord to come back to me. And then also it was the stone, I think, of remembering very specific details. You know, Samuel doesn't just make a stone called Ebenezer and put it in his living room. He puts it there in the place where the battle had ensued. The place where the victory had come. And he says this, this stone should be called Ebenezer because the Lord has helped us this far. And I think the implication is to right here, to this place. This was a place where we saw God help us in an amazing way. This place, the specific details. You know, when I go to my hometown, uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, ran around there for 15 years of my life. And, and, you know, I've been gone since college. And there's a lot of streets. I just can't remember the name of them. You know, my parents will say, well, you know, you go down Towson. I'm going, where's that? And they'll say, you know, over by Jerry Neal's Barbecue. And I'll say, oh, yeah. I remember that. And I can go home and we'll be driving around and, and we're going somewhere. And uh, I'm sure my family hates this because I do it every time. Well, let me take you by the old house where I grew up out here. You know, I remember right out here catching crawdads in that ditch. You know, can't remember the name of the creek or any of that, but, but come to a place. And all of a sudden, memories begin to flood. And we remember the highs and the lows and the fun. And, and I remember uh, doing, 
than that, and my daddy took me home and wore me out. You know, we remember the lows and all of those things. It's amazing how we're place-oriented. And so I suspect there are soldiers like Samuel who came to that place. And all of a sudden, as they would walk by that stone or see that stone, they would remember the day of battle and the cries of anguish and the dark clouds when the Lord thundered over the Philistines. They remembered the details, I'm sure, of that victory. You know what? I think sometimes we're pretty sloppy with the details. We talk in vague generalities and, and, you know, we talk about the Lord has blessed us. But that old song and the idea of count your blessings, name them one by one. You know, it, when we actually do that, when we actually begin to remember specific things that the Lord has done for us, it is amazing what it does for our faith and our countenance. We need to pay attention to the details of life and articulate the small things and the big things that God has done in our midst. It's amazing. You know, we can be going through something as a Christian, and we think we're the only ones who go through that. And so we're, we're maybe a little bit ashamed to tell people that we're going through something. And the Lord does something great to free us, to help us, to give us victory in an area. And you know what we do so often? We just bottle it up. But you know what we ought to do? We ought to tell people. Because it is very likely that God is putting someone in our path that needs to hear the same thing because they're going through the same thing or something very similar. And your victory, the Lord's victory on your behalf, will speak to them and help them to walk in faith and to know the Lord who is good and is our victor. So we need to be specific in articulating blessings. By the way, all of this is going somewhere. Last thing, this stone of remembrance. I think it was a, a visible, tangible reminder of who the people really were. That they belonged to the Lord. They weren't the Philistines. They were the called out chosen people of God who had been given a specific place and been given a specific task to serve the Lord. Israel was not just to be this closed up, hermetic little, hermetically sealed little group. They were meant to be God's missionary people, shining the light of the goodness and the holiness and the truth of the one true God. They often lost sight of that. And I think as we think about the defeats of the past and the deaths that happened, first at Ebenezer and then the great victory and the specific details, I think that all of those things would help the people remember this is who we are. We belong to the Lord. And here is what we're to be and what we're to do. And it would be a continual reminder of what it meant to be the people of God, serving the Lord with great purpose in their lives. John, would you go get our uh, little black box? You know, I can almost guarantee you that the day that Samuel set that stone called Ebenezer, there in that place, that... What was going on was an uproar of a celebration of what God has done and had done in their midst. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the importance of celebrating in our church, celebrating what God is doing, celebrating victories. And I'm serious about that. I didn't want it to just be a rah-rah little deal at the end of one service. I think this is something important for us to do is to continually celebrate what God is doing among his people and to see the faithfulness of God's people and the faithfulness of God. 
You know, I shared with you, I spent several weeks talking about a big vision, and John made these flyers, and they're plastered all over the place. We gave you the little sunglasses. Yes, I know, a little gimmicky. Maybe you'll think this thing is a little bit gimmicky, but I think it's important. I think it's important that we be reminded of what we're to be about. The big vision, the things that I shared with you, if you'll remember, building the kingdom, investing personally, having gospel conversations, and glory seeking, seeking to experience the glory of God. Those are the four components. And so what I told John, I said, man, you know, we need a visual way. We need reminders. We need ways to engage. We need ways to see what kind of things God is doing in our midst. We need visual things like an Ebenezer stone. So I don't know, we're, 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 we don't know what to call this thing. I'm calling it the Ebenezer box. You know, this is our big vision, black box. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a celebration board. It's a scoreboard. You know, I was reading a book not long ago, and here's what they said. How are you keeping score in your church of the right things, of what God is doing? And I was like, I don't know. The only scoreboard I could think of was the one right out there that has the attendance and the amount of giving. And I'm going, you know, those things are unimportant, but they don't really tell much. Now, let me ask y'all something. How many of y'all would continue to go to ball games and get excited if they said, you know what, we're not keeping score anymore? How many of y'all would quit going to ball games if they said, hey, this is all for fun, we're not keeping score anymore? How many of y'all would keep going? No! You like the scoreboard. Sometimes you hate the scoreboard, but it's important to you. So, you know, are you winning or losing? Is our team scoring points? And so, in some ways, this is meant to be like a scoreboard. It's to help check us and, and, and to see how are we doing in the things that we say we're to be about. These core values, building the kingdom, investing personally in others, glory seeking, and gospel conversations. And so I said to John, I'm like, we need, we need some way to, to engage people and help us to see and get a feel for are we doing these things? Where is God at work? How are our pe people being faithful to these things? And this was his idea. Ping pong balls in a black box. I was like, I kind of like it. And so he came up, and with the help of uh, Jim Parks and some others, they came up with this little box. And it's our scoreboard. I know it's a li little bit like the price is right or something, you know. I know it's a little bit like that, but we're just looking for ways so that we can celebrate victories and see how we're doing towards the big vision. And I want us to use this as a congregation Here's the idea. We've got ping pong balls colored, you know, and here you go. Can y'all see this? Can y'all over here see this? We've got the, little, got the little board, and it's got the four main components of big building. That is building the kingdom, investing personally. Gospel conversations, right? Is that one there? And then glory, glory seeking. And so I was thinking about how do we use that? Could we, do we just put that out there in the foyer and let people drop their little ping pong balls? I said, no, you know, that wouldn't be a way to really celebrate the specifics of what God is doing in people's lives. And so the idea is that at the end of the month, when we have our birthday and anniversary celebration, we also have our big vision celebration. And we ask people, you know, where, where are you seeing this come to life? Maybe in your life or in someone else in our church. Y'all are looking at me kind of funny. All right. So, so here's what this might look like. We're going to actually walk through this together today. So look here. John, I mean, John is so, he's so organized. 
got the little blue build. He's even got lights in there, blue ping pong balls, and the green for invest, and yellow for gospel, and red for glory seeking. And we're going to keep our little scoreboard out there, and you'll be able to see it. You'll be able to see where we're making progress in the different parts of the vision. But when we have our end of the month, we're going to celebrate these things. And so let's think about this. Let's walk through this together. Building the kingdom. Now, I will say to you, in some ways, I see all of these things as building the kingdom. I think the next three things could kind of fit under that. But when we drop a ping pong ball in build or building the kingdom, I think this is where we're celebrating instances of where we or someone in our church, we see they're expanding the footprint and the impact of the kingdom of God, maybe outside the walls of the church. All right, now we're certainly, we're a part of the kingdom of God. But what I conceive of this, maybe we would typically call kind of missions. It's where we're getting out there, outside the walls, and then we're building with the Lord Jesus. God is doing something in the lives of people on mission. So let me give you an example of that. Of, of, actually, I'm going to do two. So blue build, blue ping pong ball, right? That's the way this thing works. Are y'all excited about ping pong balls? All right. Here's what you should get excited about. Let me, let me give you one. And I just had to try to think of one or two to give you an example. And then I'm going to ask you, do you have one? I realize this is all brand new to you. So I, I also realize nobody may have one today. That's okay. I'll catch you next month. Here's one, building the kingdom. kingdom. Johnny Rex and Sue Wilson. And here's how... I see that. Johnny Rex and Sue opened up their home every Friday morning, and, and they have a men's Bible study down there in their home. And this is made of people not just of, from our church, but men from all different walks and denominations and things like that, where they're seeking to build up one another in the Lord. He's got, and this is something he did on his own. It's not something that we ask him to do. It's not start, something part of a program. It's, I think it's their heart to build the kingdom. And so, Johnny Rex, I'm, I'm blue-balling you, man. I'm giving you the build the kingdom ball. Here's another one. Karina and Kenny DeYoung. So they are heading out this summer to Bali on a mission trip to be a part of providing, uh, uh, I think, like a Bible school, day camp, uh, uh, child care and whatnot for our International Mission Board missionaries, for their kids so they can have their conference. They're taking their time, their vacation. Now, listen, Kenny said this isn't like a developing country type mission trip. I'm probably going to play golf, right? Did I hear you right, Kenny? He's probably going to do that. But, but you know what? So what? That's a great way to invest in building the kingdom coming alongside and supporting our missionaries. And so there's a couple of examples. Can you think of one? Someone, now, now we're thinking something that you're doing in your life that embodies this, or maybe someone here in our church building the kingdom. Anybody have one they want to add? I've got one more blue ping pong ball left. I can, anybody? All right, David investing in the lives of young men. Where do y'all do that at, David? I might want to come. I'm pretty young. Very cool. All right. Building the kingdom. Doing things outside the walls for the kingdom of God. Here's the next one. Investing personally. And so we could think about this. This is someone who's just giving of their time, their resources, their energy, 
just to help another person in Jesus' name. That's pretty simple. It's personal investing. Someone that's doing something for the good of others, for the sake of Christ. I had two here, so we got the little green invest balls. Number one, I would say, I think Bill Nichols. I know that Bill gives up his time to mow yards for a couple of the ladies in our church, a couple of widows, and I think that's just a great thing that he does, a great ministry. And so I think that's investing personally. Um, I, I put a green ball in there for our whole food pantry crew that comes every other week and gives pretty much their whole day to give food to folks and just try to show the love of Christ. I think that's a great way that these people invest personally. Does anybody else have one? I have one more ball. I can't, I didn't hear. Our, okay. All right. They voted for you, John. All right. For, for the folks here in our church, our ministers, thank you for that. Let's go to the next one, Gospel Conversations. All right, now this one is pretty simple. It's telling people about salvation in Jesus. Now what we're not doing is celebrating only people that receive Jesus. You know what? Our part is just to tell. The Lord saves people. People have to respond. But our part, what we want to celebrate, is when people in our church are just faithful to tell others about Jesus. Did anybody have a gospel conversation this week where you told a person who you believed was far from the Lord that you told them about Jesus? Just slip up your hand and I'll, I'll slide in a gospel conversation ball. I suspect, folks, this, this will be the one that we really need to uh, invest some, some time and effort into. But I do have one I want to give. There were 16 people that signed up for our Gospel Conversations class that we're about to start here in the month of June. We had 16 people. I'll be honest, there were people that said, you're not going to have anybody sign up to do a course like that. 16 people. So I'm going to give the yellow ball for all of you who signed up for that class. I'll be in contact with you this week about starting that. The last one, Glory Seeking. I told John, he's had this thing built for several weeks. I said, well, I want to make sure I know how we're going to use it. But also this, I need to make sure that we know what people are going to put a ball in for, right? And, and this is the one that we go, we really need to think about what that is. So let me try to clarify this one for you. I think this is where we see the beauty and the goodness and something wonderful about God. in our life, and through other people's lives. We see and learn and come to know God better through someone else's life. Or it could be something that happens here in worship. It could be a lot of things. But the glory of God is His beauty. It's, it's the greatness of God. And so this would be things we would want to think about. Man, where, where have I seen God more clearly? Where have I seen God at work? And again... When we do a celebration on this, you might stand up and you might say, it was in a time of prayer when we had a group prayer meeting, or it might be this or it might be that, but this is what I saw about God. This is what I experienced, and I came to see his glory more clearly. That's what that would be, glory-seeking. Where have you seen the glory of God? Hey, listen, God is not dead. God did not only give victories and show himself mighty in the Old Testament 
And not only in the New Testament, he is alive today and he's at work. And we can see God at work. But you know what? We have to be looking. And this board in large measure is to help us to begin looking and taking note of these big things that constitute what I think some of the basics of the Christian life. The important things. To me, these are the essence. It's not everything, but it's a big part of the Christian life. Let me give you one on glory seeking. He actually slipped out. But I think a great place that many of us saw the glory of God this week was in Jason Carr's life. You know, and I don't know, I don't know, Laura, if any of y'all want to share something, I, I suspect it could be a little bit tough, but we want to hear from you. But I, but I will say for me, a week ago, I'll be honest, I said, I don't know that we're going to see Jason again. The reports that I was hearing, the medical things sounded just, just nearly hopeless. And God has been at work. I, I, I can't believe that he was here today. <laughs> I cannot believe. I, honestly, there was a time when I said, I, I, there he is. There he is. I, I can't believe he's alive. I can't believe he made it through that. Jason, come up here, buddy. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I do a little bit. And I was just telling them where we've seen the glory of God at work this week is in God's healing in your life. Is there anything you'd like to just share about that? Or I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I, but I do. Uh, no, there ain't no doubt it's God. Cause, I mean, when we left, we had the hair backed out of the hospital at Harrison. They almost all they told Laura I was going to die. Trip down. Yeah. But I was awake, texted when I got there, went back, and everything just worked out perfectly. So, I mean, even from the diagnosis, my leg went numb. As soon as they diagnosed it, I got healed back to my legs. I mean, everything was just too perfect for a Yeah. So, so what was amazing, Jason said, you know, the nurses were coming around saying, we want to see this guy that actually made it through this procedure because it's unheard of. And then to hear that he's coming home. And then he almost threatened to play guitar today. And I was like, I think we have it covered this week. All right. And then that he's here. And I would just say, I think this guy's tough. Don't get me wrong. I think, he's a, I think he's a tough cookie. I think the victory, the healing of Jason Carr belongs to the Lord. Yeah. So I think that let that be a reminder to all of us. Whatever battle you're facing, whatever thing you're in, we have a God who's a healer, a deliverer. He's at work. He's at work. Seek the glory of God, the help of God in your needs. The last thing we need to celebrate today, I didn't make a, we have a different box for birthdays and anniversaries, right? So we want today to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries with our people. I don't know, John, let's grab a music stand, would you, and put it up here. Okay, John. <laughs> Before we do birthdays and anniversaries, is there anybody else here today it just says, let me, let me quickly celebrate something that God is doing. Anybody? Just quickly. Miss Sue, you coming to celebrate? What are we going to celebrate? 78th birthday. 
78th birthday. God is good. Y'all just come on, start making your way up. Miss Janice Younger, what are we celebrating? 94. 94. She said, glory to God. Amen. Y'all come on. Maddox, what are we celebrating? 17. Happy birthday, buddy. Eddie and Ada, what are we celebrating? 41 years of, of bliss, pure bliss, right? All right, happy anniversary. JB, going to be 70 tomorrow. Happy birthday. Shannon, 46. Happy birthday. Kenny, 29. For the 29th time. Happy birthday, buddy. Daryl sick. Daryl texted me and said, put my birthday money in and put our anniversary in. So there you go. Happy it birthday. Was in, it was in All right. Happy birthday and anniversary. 60. 60 years old. Thank you, Kurt. Happy birthday. Anybody, anybody else? Just something you'd like to sell. We can celebrate with you that the Lord has done for you. Really quickly. Come on. Anybody? I want you to be thinking about for next month, at the end of June, the big black box, Ebenezer box, whatever you want to call it, this box is coming back out. And we're going to have ping pong balls. And we want to hear, and if you don't want to talk, that is totally fine. I realize sometimes that's hard. But we're going to have a time kind of like the birthdays and anniversaries where you can just come up. You just want to say, man, I can't say anything about it, but bling, there we go. Had a gospel conversation. One of the things I really want us to do, we have one more color of ball here. It's a white ping pong ball. We're going to have these out next week in the foyer. And, and this is a gospel conversation intention ball. That's a mouthful, isn't it? We want to give you these as uh, something to take home. And we're going to invite you to be praying about one person that you believe is far from the Lord that needs to know the Lord Jesus. And this is going to be your prayer ball. And I, we're going to invite you to write an initial on that and take that home and to be praying for that person's salvation, but also praying for opportunities. So we're going to have those out next week. And that just be a reminder that people need to know about Jesus and to get us on board with trying to do the things that we're called to do. So we'll have those out next week. And as I said, next month, end of the month, we're going to roll the big black box back out. Man, isn't that thing cool? <laughs> Y'all aren't as excited as me and John, but you're going to get there. You're going to get there when you start hearing. I tell you, we just need reminders. Things that we can see, things that help us remember what it is to be the people of God. But also, when we see that ball drop, man, God healed that guy. God is a healer. Spurs faith in our situation. We serve a God who is a healer. Would you stand with me? We're going to close in prayer together. Father, today we are reminded of the fact that you are alive. You are real. You are good. And that you invite us to lay down arms, to lay down our sin, to, to lay down our self-sufficiency and to come to you with our needs. To come to you for the salvation that we need. God, and we pray that you would burden our hearts for the salvation of our community, of our families, and of our nation.
Lord, help us to feel that. Help us to get on board with the mission that you've called us to. And God, today, we thank you that you are doing things in the lives of your people to build, to invest in others, to share Jesus, to learn to share Jesus. Lord, you're healing and you're working. You're putting people back together and making them whole in marriages and families and homes. You're doing things. Help us to see that. Help us to celebrate it. Help us to be a people who don't just bottle up what you're doing, but instead we freely share the glory of your kindness and goodness wherever we may go. So help us to celebrate your goodness, Lord, and your glory in our lives and the lives of your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.